is all that I can give to you. Love is more than just a game for two. Two in love can make it. Take my heart and please don't break it. Love was made for me and you. Welcome to Love Savers Radio, ministering the blessings of covenant. This is Walter and Sandy Fox from Love Savers Ministry, called by God to minister the blessings of the marriage covenant by enriching, encouraging, strengthening, and praying for the healing of marriages, especially marriages in crisis. Our program is sponsored by Living Water Church, located at 69 Industrial Road in Wainscott, under the leadership of Pastor Joe Kelly and his lovely wife, Margaret Kelly. Sunday services are at 10 a.m. with a pre-service prayer meeting at 9.30 a.m. Pastor Joe invites you to come and be refreshed. For more information, please call 631 537 2120. That's 631 537 2120. Let's talk about marriage. This is Sandy Fox from Love Savers Ministry inviting you to call us today if you want prayer for your marriage. We pray for the healing of marriages, especially those in crisis. We have faith that God can heal marriages because God healed ours after seven years of divorce. Gary Chapman, the author of The Five Love Languages, said this about Love Savers Ministry. And let me encourage you in what you're doing because I think these kind of shows which deal with really nitty-gritty stuff in relationships Uh can really help the listeners. So we're here to help. Call us today at 631-604-6397. That's 631-604-6397. Or email us at lovesavers1 at aol.com. Our website is lovesaversministry.com. And remember, love never fails. Every year, millions of Americans make the decision to split up. In fact, recent statistics show that divorce is on the rise again in this country after a decrease during the Great Recession. Dr. Gary Chapman, author of the New York Times bestseller, The Five Love Languages, says it doesn't have to be that way. In his new book, One More Try, What to Do When Your Marriage is Falling Apart, Dr. Chapman offers his trademark wisdom and hope. Addressing couples who are already separated as well as those on the brink, Dr. Chapman shares a wealth of practical and spiritual insights on how to start saving a marriage, covering topics ranging from self-development during separation to recovering trust to the importance of turning to God. In doing so, he gives struggling couples a roadmap to reconciliation. Let's listen as Sandy talks with Dr. Chapman today about his new book, One More Try. Let's listen. Hi, Dr. Chapman. Hi, Sandy. How are you? Okay. It's so nice to hear your voice again. Uh, thank you. We want to remind you that you were our first interview that we did on our first show. And oh, yeah. We still appreciate that, and we've been going for over a year now. And well, here you, you are again. We're so pleased. Yeah. To be able to interview your new book, One More Try. Okay, sounds good. What to do when your marriage is falling apart. So we're going to discuss that. And 
when your marriage is falling apart, if your marriage is, it's worth fighting for. If they feel it's worth fighting for, this book is definitely for our listeners that feel that way. And it's a wonderful, full of book full of courage and confidence to move forward when your marriage is falling apart. And um, they can discover, our listeners, healthy ways to manage frustration and anger and effectively deal with loneliness and renew hope and trust in their spouses and rebuild their marriage from the ground up. And we want to ask, can separation, do you feel, ever be a good thing? You know, I think, uh, Sandy, it can be, but it needs to come at the right time. Uh, many times people move to separation out of desperation. They feel like, you know, there's no hope and I've done everything and so I'm going to get out of this. And that kind of separation almost always leads to divorce. But if the separation is preceded by a lot of positive things, which I suggest in the book, yeah. so that your spouse is receiving some good things from you rather than condemnation from you, then you decide to separate and you say to them, you know, I don't know how you feel, but I feel like in the last third, six months I've been really giving myself to our marriage and uh, it seems to me that you are not interested and uh, therefore, and you just tell them what you're going to do, now they have something to lose. But if you've had two years of conflict and all your conversations toward them have been negative and you've condemned them for all the things they've done or haven't done, and, and then you tell them you're going to leave, likely they're going to say to themselves, good riddance, I'm tired of this too, you know? Right, yes. So I think, I think people separate at the wrong time. Yes, you talk about that one couple, and um, it was Juanita and James, was it, that she was sort of giving him a bad time, and every time he was with her would be negative, and it was like a whole hostile cycle. And you actually said, why would he want to go back to her unless she actually changed? He could, but... She was so negative and so hostile. And then he would be silent, you said. Can you talk to us a little about that? The things yeah, one think, should I, not do? I, I think this is often what happens. You know, we get hurt, we get angry, and we allow uh, ourselves to develop a negative attitude toward our spouse. And then that moves to negative behavior toward the spouse. So that we are now contributing to the problem rather than trying to solve the problem. And pushing and as long them away. As we have, that's, that's right. As long yeah. as we have a negative attitude and negative behavior, we're pushing our spouse further and further away, and we're not moving toward reconciliation. So I think, you know, an individual has to stop and say, let me take a look at myself. What has been my role in this marriage? Now, maybe your spouse is 95% of the problem, okay? Yes. <laughs> As one lady told me. <laughs> uh, but, but there's 5% on your part. So let's think about your part and ask yourself, where have I been failing? How have I been contributing to the demise of this marriage? And with the help of God, what can I do differently that might have some potential for influencing my spouse? 
You know, I, I like to say, uh, Sandy, we, we can't change our spouse, but we can influence our spouse. In fact, we do every single day. We either have a negative influence or a positive influence on our spouse every day. That's right. So if you examine your negative behavior and your negative words and decide, I- I'm going to put a truce on this, I'm going to put a halt to this, and I'm going to start looking for something positive I can say to my spouse. And there's always something positive. If they take a shower, you know, thank them for taking a shower. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. There's always yeah. something. And you start giving them some positive words, and you start affirming them. Now they realize, wow, something's happening here. I'm not hearing the same old record I've been hearing for two years. Not all the criticism. And you can have an influence on them, a positive influence on them. Right. That is a very important thing. What if only one spouse wants to save the marriage? Well, you know, often that is the case, Sandy. Uh, Often uh, one will come to my office alone and they say to me, uh, my husband or my wife would not come with me. I asked them to come. Uh, They said I'm the problem and I'm the one that needs the counseling, so I've come. And I say, well, thanks for your courage. You know, I'm glad you came. Because I do believe that one person has the potential of changing the emotional climate of marriage. And so I'm happy to start with that one person. And so, you know, you're here. Uh, you're acknowledging that uh, that the marriage needs help. And so let's just start start where we are. And I let them tell me what the marriage is like. And, and normally it's a pretty a difficult story. It's a painful story of things that their spouse has done that's hurt them. And I'm empathetic with them because I know it's difficult. When you're in a marriage where your spouse is treating you unkindly and doing all kind of things, it is very, very painful. I said, but since you're here, let's talk about what you might do to influence your spouse in a positive way. And then that's the approach I take. I believe that that one person does have the potential of influencing their spouse in a positive way. And it's not saying, you know, it's all my problem, it's all my fault, I just accept all the the blame for this. No, 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 no. But it is being willing to acknowledge your failures. For example, if a wife, let's say, goes home to a husband who would not come for counseling and says to him, I've been thinking a lot about us, and uh, as you know, I've been getting some counseling, and uh, I've realized that even though I have been on your case a lot and I have given you a lot of criticism, uh, I realize that I'm part of the problem. And uh, so you begin to tell them what you feel is your failures in the relationship. And you say to them, uh, you know, I don't know if you can find in your heart to forgive me or not, but I'm asking you to forgive me for my part in this. I really want to be a better wife. You know, he may forgive her, he may not forgive her, but he walks away. And in his mind, he's saying to himself, man, this is different. Yes. I haven't heard this before. You know, and God yes. can use her action to touch his heart. And then, after she's done that, if she starts treating him differently, that is trying to speak his love language, for example, whatever it happens to be, right. and reaching out to express love to him in a, in a way that's meaningful to him, now she's touching him very deeply because she's speaking his love language. And in two or three months, he's thinking to himself, man, I don't know what has happened to this woman, but I'm glad she's gone for counseling. You know? <laughs> right. And also you say that oftentimes, you know, most times 
um, always we have to cry out to God for his grace to give us that forgiveness in our hearts when we feel think that, we can't muster it up alone yeah. by ourselves. No, really I, I, think that, I think that's exactly right, Sandy. You know, this is counterintuitive. You know, by nature, if someone treats us unfairly, then we're going to treat them unfairly. If they speak harshly to us, we speak harshly to them. Uh, so that's, that's the natural bent that we all have. But if we reach out to God, and remember, he loved us while we were still sinners. Yes. So you can love your spouse while they are still sinning against you. And you ask God that, him be, that you be his agent for expressing his love, and he will give you the ability to do what doesn't come natural, and that is to love a spouse who's not loving you. Uh, and then I say, you know, after you've done this for a while, uh, you, you just say to them one day, I, I don't know how you're feeling about us, but uh, I'd just like to ask you a, a question. On a scale of zero to ten, how much love do you feel coming from me? And if he gives you a nine or a ten or an eight even, you know you're getting through to him. What? And after he gives you an eight, nine, or ten, you can make a request of him. Not at that moment, but next week. You say, you know something that I would really appreciate you doing? And you tell him, he's likely to do it because he's he's feeling love coming from you. Yes. And now you're teaching him how to love you by making requests, not demands, but requests. Right. You're giving him information on something he could do that would be meaningful to you. And so I've seen this happen over and over again. When one person is willing to deal with their failures, their own failures, and share that with a spouse, and then change their behavior, change their attitude with the help of God, and begin to reach out and love them in the right language, then in a few weeks or months, you start making requests of them. And I've seen that person begin to reciprocate, and before long, they are loving you, they are reaching out to you, you began to have warm feelings toward them again, and now you see hope in this relationship. We're moving forward in this relationship. So one person can greatly impact a marriage. Yes. Um, it's interesting that you talk about timing, how important that can be with what you do and say. Right? Yeah, I think... Timing. Yeah, I think that's true, Sandy. I think I think timing is a, has a lot to do with it because, you know, if if we simply bail out of the marriage while we're frustrated and just tell them, "I'm tired of this. I'm sick of this. I'm getting out of here. I can't take any more of this," we're leaving at the wrong time. We're leaving defeated. Far better to leave as a success if you're going to leave. <laughs> you know. Try this six-month project, you know, uh -huh. of confessing your own failures, reaching out and loving them. And then at the end of six months, you don't see any reciprocation. You don't see any change on their part. Then you may want to try tough love, which says, I feel like I have been loving you. I don't know how you feel about it, but I feel like I've been loving you, and I've, I've done everything I can to try to enhance our relationship. But it appears to me that you have no interest in that. So I, I love you too much to sit here and let you continue in your behavior, hurting me and hurting the children if you have children. Uh, therefore, because I love you so much, I'm going to go live with my mother. And if you are willing to get help with the problem that you have, I'm open to do marriage counseling with you. But I love you too much to sit here and do nothing. And, and then you follow through with that. That's tough love. 
Yeah. And because you because you've been giving tender love for six months, now they are going to miss what you've been doing, and they realize that. And often that's where they decide, I'm going to go for counseling. I'm going to get help here. Uh-huh. And they reach out, and if they reach out for help, then they're going to find help, and things can be turned around. Good. Is it possible for a marriage to recover from infidelity, do you feel? Would you say something about that? I think we have to admit, Sandy, that infidelity is a is a terrible blow to a marriage. Because we commit ourselves to each other for a lifetime, to be faithful to each other. And... The sexual part of the marriage is such an intimate thing. It bonds a couple together deeply, and and God reserved it for marriage. I think that may be one of the reasons why. It's a deeply bonding experience, and we don't get married with the idea that it's okay for either one of us to go have another partner, you know, down the line, three months, six months down the line. No, no, no. We see this marriage as being a commitment to each other for a lifetime, and when one of us violates that, and we get involved with someone else sexually, we strike a deep, deep blow to that marriage. Can there be reconciliation after that? Yes, if there is genuine repentance over the failure, breaking off the relationship, coming back and taking full responsibility for it, asking for forgiveness, and recommitting yourself to work on the marriage. Yes, there can be reconciliation after there has been infidelity. I've seen it happen many, many, many times through the years. But it does mean that there has to be a clear breaking off of the relationship, a clear acknowledgement that it is wrong, and accepting the responsibility, and not demanding forgiveness, but requesting forgiveness. And then there has to be forgiveness. Without forgiveness, there will be no reconciliation. But if there's genuine uh, apology and genuine forgiveness, then we can begin to rebuild the relationship. How do you suggest rebuilding trust under those well, it circumstances? Takes time. Right. Yeah, it, it, it takes time to rebuild trust, Sandy. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I remember the wife who said to me, Dr. Chapman, my husband had an affair. He came back and apologized. He broke it off. I really believe he was sincere. I chose to forgive him. But to be honest with you, I don't trust him. And I say, welcome to the human race. <laughs> you know, forgiveness does not rebuild trust. Yeah. Forgiveness, forgiveness opens the door to the possibility that trust can be reborn. Uh-huh. And what I say to the husband, if he's the one that's been unfaithful, if you want your wife to trust you again, then you say to her, honey, my cell phone is yours anytime you want to look at it. My computer is yours. My, my iPad is yours. Amen. You can look at it anytime you wish. And if I tell you that I'm going over to George's house to help him work on his car, it's fine with me for you to call over there and see if I'm there. Because I am through with deceit. I've uh-huh. hurt you enough. I do not want to repeat that. And I want you to come to trust me again. You take that stance nine months down the road if she finds you to be trustworthy she will come to trust you again. Uh But trust takes time to be reborn. And as you're saying this, it seems that uh, establishing accountability is is one of those ways. 
It is. Yeah. And, and without yeah. that, really, trust can't be reborn. Uh-huh. You know, if you don't open yourself up to be accountable for your time right. and your behavior and all of that, the person cannot come to trust you again. You see, they lost trust in you because you were untrustworthy. Mm-hmm. You broke their trust. And now, if it's going to be rebuilt, you have to rebuild it step by step. Right. And that, that happens when you choose to be trustworthy and you live a lifestyle that is above reproach. And when you do that, your spouse will come to trust you again. Right. In your opinion, what are the primary causes of divorce? If I had to sum it up in one word, I would say selfishness. Uh-huh. And here's what I mean by that. We are, by nature, self-centered. We're egocentric. Now, there's a good part to that. That means I feed myself. Mm -hmm. I get exercise. I get sleep. But when that self-centeredness becomes selfishness so that I view our relationship in terms of what am I getting out of this, Mm-hmm. And I'm saying to my spouse, you should do this, you should do that. You know, you don't do this, you don't do that. I'm, I'm selfish, and I'm looking at the whole relationship in terms of what am I getting out of this. Two selfish people will never have a healthy marriage. And two selfish people who are simply demanding things of each other are, are, are not are the candidates for divorce. So we have to recognize that, uh, and I think at the root of all the other problems, it's selfishness. Uh, I remember the guy who said to me, he was leaving his wife and going off with another lady, and he said to me, Dr. Chapman, I know what the Bible says about divorce and all of that, but I just have decided that I'm going to be happy, and I haven't been happy in this marriage for the last several years, and I've just decided I'm going to be happy. And... uh, what he's doing, he's operating on his emotions, and he's thinking very, very selfishly. I'm not getting out of this marriage what I should be getting out of it, so I'm going to go somewhere else to make myself happy. Right, and you and say it, you, you know, can't follow yeah. your emotions. You have to follow Ab- what absolutely. is right and be absolutely. obedient to the Word of God if you really want to be happy. Or yeah. joy and yeah, gladness you know, is maybe beyond happiness, the joy and gladness in your heart from the Lord. Yeah. It is. You know, joy and happiness are two different things. Happiness is an emotion you feel when your circumstances are all positive around you. Joy is a deep, settled peace that I am walking with God. I am doing the right thing in my marriage and all of my relationships. And there's a deep sense of satisfaction, a deep sense of joy in there. Even though some of your circumstances may not be pleasant, you still have a deep, settled peace of joy in your heart. And, and that's what God promises us. You know, Jesus said, I give you my joy, not as the world gives, but my joy is not based on circumstances. It's based on your relationship with me. I'm your father. You're my child. Walk with me. And even though you may be going through a difficult time in your marriage, I will walk with you and I will help you. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's that relationship with God that brings joy to the heart. Yes. How can a separated spouse deal with the loneliness? Well, this is a common emotion when couples do separate, whether you chose the separation or whether the other person chose the separation. When you are alone, there is a deep sense of loneliness that often settles in upon you. And the common thing is that we withdraw from society. We're deeply hurt. So we sleep as much as we can, we draw to ourselves, we go into a depression, 
and then we have to have the medication for the depression, and, and it just gets worse and worse and worse. What I say to the person is this. At the first signs of loneliness, feeling that you are alone in the universe, that nobody really cares about you, it's time for you to take action. Don't sit there and wait for somebody to knock on your door and say, I came over to talk with you because I thought you might be lonely. No, 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 no. You reach out to people. And, and Sandy, this is where the church can be so helpful. Because yes. the church, if, mm-hmm. if it's a healthy church, is reaching out to people. You know, is, is wanting to hear your story, wanting to know what's going on in your life. It's inviting you to dinner. It's inviting you into my life to do things with me. And most churches have women's groups and small groups that yeah. people can get involved in and, and find some people who really do care about you because at the heart of loneliness is the sense that no one really cares about me. I am alone in the world. And that may be true at the moment, but it doesn't have to remain to be true. If you reach out, you know the old thing of you show yourself friendly and you have friends. You, know, you reach yes. out to others and they reach out to you. So I think uh, I think we have to take the responsibility to reach out and develop friendships if we are going through a period of, of severe loneliness. Yes. And that church serving also is a way we can get involved, right? Absolutely, because, you know, when we start serving in the church, doing something for other people, it does something to us. We feel good about ourselves. You know, rather than sitting over here feeling sorry for myself night after night, I'm out there working in the soup kitchen on Tuesday nights. You know, I'm helping in the rescue mission on Monday nights. I'm I'm teaching a child to learn how to read. You know, I'm I'm reaching out and teaching uh, internationals in my community how to read English. Uh I'm investing my life in other people. And you feel good about yourself, even though your marriage may have fallen apart. You're doing something worthwhile with your life. It's the people who serve others who find the greatest satisfaction in life. And that oftentimes lifts you right out of depression when you're reaching out to others, doesn't it? It does. I think, in fact, it's one of the best things you can do if you're feeling depressed is to reach out and get involved in serving others. Uh, because if you continue to withdraw and, and just let all the, the sorrow roll around in your mind, uh, you know, you get deeper depressed. But if you get out and begin to help somebody, particularly if you're working with another, some other people in a project that's helping others, so you've got some, some comrades, as it were, some friends, you know, who are working with you and y'all are reaching out to help somebody, you're a part of a family, and you're doing something good with your life. And that, that has a powerful impact on depression. Yes. What if there's been abuse? Well, abuse must never be accepted as normal behavior in right. marriage, whether it's physical abuse or whether it's verbal abuse. I think what we have to do at the very first sign of physical abuse, a spouse needs to say, uh, I don't know whether you meant to do that or not, but I want to say to you, I I cannot and will not accept that. And if you ever do that again to me, I want you to know that I will leave. I will not sit here and let you do that to me again. If you start that early in the marriage, chances are 
you will nip it in the bud. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, it, it, they, they, they will stop because they realize they're going to lose this marriage if they don't stop. Right, that. because and if see, you tolerate it, it could just yeah. become a cycle and get worse, right? Ab- absolutely, and that's what happens many times. And so people are 10 years into the marriage, 15 years into the marriage, and now they're going to a counselor about the abuse that's been going on all this time. It's, a, it's you know, a way of life for this other person. Right. So the sooner you can stand up against abuse, uh, the more likely you are that the other person is going to change their behavior. Right. What is the most important thing couples can do to save their marriage? I think the first step is to make the decision, I will work on my marriage. I never ask an individual in my office, do you want to work on your marriage? Because want to is an emotional word. It means you're pushed by your emotions to work on the marriage. And most of the time when they come to my office, they they don't have that emotion. They don't have the want to. Uh, The want to is pushing them to get out of the marriage. So I say, I'm not asking you, do you want to work on your marriage? I'm asking you, will you you work on your marriage? If I'm willing to meet with you and talk with you and give you some ideas, are you willing to work on your marriage? And if they will make that decision, yes, rather than continuing to think about getting out of this marriage, I'm going to start thinking about working on this marriage. I am willing to work on this marriage. Then there are lots of things that they can do that will move them down a positive road in the marriage and have the potential of changing the behavior of their spouse. And I share a lot of those things, of course, in this book. As a matter of fact, this book, One More Try, I'm really saying to the individual who reads this book the things I would say if they were sitting in my office. So I'm really giving them personal counsel on what to do. you know. And that's the first step is to make a decision. I will work on my marriage. Right, and I love after each chapter how you have those questions regarding growth. Yes, and what I'm trying to do there is to give them ideas, you know, practical ideas on things they can do that will enhance the relationship. Yes. Statistics show a rise in divorce among boomers as they get older. What accounts for this? I think a lot of times people have the idea that they're going to stay together until they get the children in college and out of the house. And they've already decided they're going to, they're going to divorce when that happens. And so that, that happens, and the kids will get off in college, and so they follow through with the divorce. And they think it won't hurt the kids now because the kids are grown. But when I speak on college campuses about marriage relationships, the students who hang around and talk to me afterwards often are students who say, Dr. Chapman, my mom and dad divorced after I came to college, and I don't want to go home Christmas because I don't know which house to go to. Right. Yeah, and it deeply hurts those children. I I just think that as people get older, instead of thinking about at a certain time we're going to divorce, they ought to be spending their energy and time and saying, how can we make this marriage different over the next three years so that we don't want a divorce, but we we have learned to love each other again. We've learned to understand each other. We've learned how to work together as a team. We are discovering what we wanted when we got married. And, and that's what I'm trying to do in this book is give them hope to do that. Right. Can you share an example of a couple you know who turned their marriage around? Well, there's numerous couples. Uh, uh, the one I wanted to just come to my mind more recently is one who had had really about 15 years of really uh, terrible relationship. And uh, the wife did come alone, 
And uh, I did talk with her, and I was very empathetic with her problem. Uh, but she began to take some of the steps that we're talking about in this book. And within six months, her husband was, was willing to come in for counseling himself because he saw a change in her attitude and her behavior. And, and, and when she asked him, would you be willing to go with me and meet my counselor? He said, you know, I would because I think it's helping you and it's helping us. And I know I need some help. He came in. And, and within the next six months, they were able to make some significant decisions that led them to the place where they both said when they left, you know, Dr. Sam, we are so glad. He said, I never, ever dreamed that we could come to love each other again and really care for each other. But he said, I love her and she loves me. And I want to thank you for the time you invested in us. So, uh, you know, that's, that's music to a counselor's ears. That's yes. what we hope is going to happen when we work with people. Yes, well, you have been very successful at it in every way with your counseling and your books and have turned so many people toward God and improving their lives. And this One More Try is another example, and we thank you so much for it. And we thank you so much for this interview. And I heard that you're coming out with another book focusing on anger, maybe by the summer. And we hope yes. we can talk to you about that then, if not before. I would, I would love to, Sandy, because that's, a, that's another topic that is extremely important. So oh, it's good to be with you today. You oh, keep up the good you. work, and I'll keep doing what I'm doing, okay? okay. Thank you for your right. encouragement, Dr. Chapman, and for being with us again. God bless you. Thank you, Sandy. Okay, Great to be with you again. All right, so bye for now. Should we stay or should we say goodbye? Walk away or give it one more try? What a ways to let our dreams just fly. And as the days go by, we'll always wonder
than words.